Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. This will be the third teaching in a series of teachings about the woman at the well. If you haven't listened to the first two parts, I'd like to encourage you to go back and do that, to go back and listen to those, though it's certainly not a requirement before listening to this one. Well, good morning, and uh, we're going to go ahead and do our third and final teaching on the woman at the well. This will be uh, John 4, verses 27 through 42. So I'm going to go ahead and read it, and we'll get right into it. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him some food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Hopefully you've listened to the first two teachings. Uh, So much has been in it. This is an incredible, I mean, the story is just overwhelming. It just truly is just, uh, there's just so much here. It's... uh, it's, it's really unbelievable. Verse 27 says, Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Um, this is an extremely important verse. Um, because of the word, it says they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. The important thing we glean from that is that they would not have been talking with her. And we want to ask ourselves, why wouldn't they have spoken to her? We've said in the previous two teachings that scholars have said that that this woman was was at the well at noon alone because she had been ostracized from the town because of her lifestyle of having five husbands and now being with a man that wasn't her husband. And so no one wanted to be around her. And so it would have been 
well known in in those times as to why she was alone. So the reason they wouldn't have been talking to her, there would have been several reasons. They would not speak to a woman alone generally ever. In addition to that, this is a Samaritan woman. And we've already talked in the previous uh, teachings how there was tremendous racial tensions between Jews and Samaritans. They literally hated each other. We spoke extensively about how Jesus didn't entertain that at all. And how that's an example to us to not have any racial tension in our life or not give any focus to it. If we happen to be in a position where there's racial tensions, we want to just love our way right through it. If someone has a racial tension with us, we want to be a blessing to them. And we find that here tremendously in this teaching. When the teaching starts, Jesus asks for a drink of water. And the woman immediately says, how can you, a Jew, ask for me, a Samaritan, for a drink? Because we don't talk. We don't speak. We're not on speaking terms. Our people hate each other. And Jesus doesn't entertain that at all. And as I said, that's just an amazing example to us. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Again, it's clear they would not have been speaking to her. And the importance of that is that if it was them, this woman would have come to this well and left in the same broken, hurt, unenlightened state in which she came. These are disciples of Jesus Christ just like we are. They would have missed this opportunity. This woman comes to the well and because Jesus is there and because Jesus is willing to speak with her and to give her his time, he's willing to overlook her frustrations. He's willing to overlook her hurts and bitterness. He's willing to overlook her disrespect. We said in the previous teachings, she's consistently contrary with him. And he's willing to overlook the fact that the situation doesn't look good. Jesus isn't worried about his reputation. Uh, the disciples wouldn't have been speaking to her because they would have been concerned about everything else except this woman's soul. How often do we get caught up in things that mean very, very little, right? They were surprised to find him talking with this woman because it doesn't look good. When it says, but no one asks, what do you want or why are you talking with her? There would be very few reasons why a man would be speaking to this woman. And generally, they wouldn't be good reasons. And so what we find here is that, is that Jesus cares more about her than he does about his reputation. Jesus isn't concerned with what anyone else thinks. Jesus is concerned about this woman's soul. The disciples wouldn't even have spoken to her. They wouldn't have spoken to her because she's a woman. And man, we don't speak to a woman alone because that doesn't look good. And they wouldn't have spoken to her because she's a Samaritan woman. And you know what? We don't talk to Samaritans, let alone a woman that's a Samaritan. And we don't, you know, we're not going to talk to her because this is a woman with a bad reputation. And we don't, we don't want anyone to think that we have bad motives when it comes to this woman. Like we want to, you know, sleep with her or have intimacy with her. And so, you know what? We're not even going to talk to her because this doesn't look good. How many opportunities do we miss in life because we're more concerned about ourselves and our reputation than we are about the good of the other person? You notice it says, but no one dared ask, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? Right? No one was going to challenge Jesus 
as to what he was doing. And what's what's paramount here is that he doesn't defend himself. I really like the fact that Jesus doesn't say, oh, oh, the reason I was talking to her, I know, you know, I know this don't look good, but we have a tendency to to defend ourselves. I remember one of my early mentors used to tell me that Jesus never defended a position he didn't hold. And so you notice here, Jesus doesn't explain himself. And I really like that. Jesus doesn't go out of his way to tell his disciples why he is speaking to this woman. When our hearts are pure in a matter, we don't have to explain ourselves. Just because something may not look good to other people or other people may have questions, if your heart is pure, doing the will of God, and you're not concerned with how it looks, but you're truly concerned about doing the will of God, having the heart of God for the people of God, then you don't need to explain yourself. Verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now, you remember we ended the last teaching with Jesus telling her uh, when she said that she was waiting on the Messiah, her theology was correct, you'll recall Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. So she's overwhelmingly excited. She's still not sure because the magnitude of the statement that Jesus saying, I am the Christ, it's, there's not even words for how overwhelming that statement is. So when she goes back, she's still not sure, but she goes to the whole town. Now remember, Jesus told her to go call her husband. He told her to go call one man. This woman goes and talks to the entire town about Jesus. And we're going to see that's going to be one of the most important parts of this, this whole story. Okay, So she goes back to the town and she tells the entire town, all the people there, about her encounter with Christ. We want to think about what do we do when we have an encounter with Jesus? When we came to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, who do we go and tell? This woman goes and testifies to her encounter with Christ. She gives a testimony to a time she had with Jesus. In Revelation 12, verse 11, it says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Our lives should be marked by, number one, everything we do, we overcome and we have success by the blood of the Lamb first. It's always about Jesus first. But then Revelation 12, 11 says, by the word of their testimony, which is to say by testifying to what Jesus has done in our lives and how he did it. Um, so you find that this woman goes and testifies to her encounter with Christ. And that's something we want to consistently do. We want to testify to what Jesus has done in our life, uh, not only with our salvation, but in everything else. Jesus is consistently blessing us in various areas of our life, be it spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, or relationally. Jesus is consistently blessing us, and we want to testify to that blessing. Verse 30 says, They came out of the town and made their way toward him. So this woman went and testified about what Jesus has done in their life to the whole town, and now the whole town is walking to where Jesus is. And that really is amazing. Verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. If you recall, the story begins with him being tired from the journey. 
His disciples went into town to buy food, and now they've returned, right? They, they were surprised. They find him talking with this woman, but, you know, no one's going to bring it up. I'm sure they probably said to each other, man, ask him what he's doing. And they kept saying, I ain't asking, you ask. Ask him what he's doing. I ain't asking. Um, so no one would ask him. But now they come back with lunch. In verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Verse 32, But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And this is, again, we find here, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. The disciples, just like the woman, if you recall, the woman, when Jesus wanted to give her, when Jesus said, I have water to give you, will you'll never thirst again. And we talked about how he's speaking about the the endless reserves of the Spirit of God that will always fill us and always satisfy us. But the woman was thinking about natural water. Here, Jesus says, I have food to eat you know nothing about. Again, he's wanting to give them a lesson spiritually, but the disciples are focused only on the natural. Verse 33, then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? So again, how consistently Jesus is wanting to give us spiritual insight or insight into the things of God, into the spiritual, and we are consistently focused and distracted by the natural. It is noteworthy that he says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. The reason they don't know anything about it is because they're consistently focused on the things of this world. The more we'll focus on the things of God, the things of the Word of God, the more we'll focus on our Bible and our relationship with Jesus, the more understanding we'll have of all these things. But they're consistently focused on the things of the physical world, so they're consistently missing these blessings. Verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What we find is that Jesus is saying that his food, his sustenance, what sustains him in his life is not physical food, but what sustains him is doing the will of God the Father. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The true sustenance of our lives should be reading, studying, and obeying the word of God. If you recall, Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So our food is not just physical food. Our food is reading, studying, and obeying the word of God. Our food is to do the will of Jesus. If we will begin to more and more have a heart to study the word of God with a heart to truly do the will of Jesus in every aspect of our lives, what sustains us will more and more not be the things of this world, but will truly be sustained by Jesus through doing his will. The true sustenance of this life is found in the depth and intimacy of our relationship with God. The most meaningful sustenance in life is not physical. Jesus is the most meaningful sustenance in our lives. And the more we do his will with a heart to, to live out our lives and to finish our lives, finishing the work he's given us to do, the more we'll experience him in every aspect of our lives. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Is that our food? 
or are we consistently focused on the natural? Now, obviously, we have to eat our, our physical meals, right? But for most of us, I'll say for myself, I am consistently throughout each day, uh, there's not often times I'm not focused on food. There may be a few hours, but I'm consistently looking for something to eat. If I could have that same heart going to the word of God and thinking, what do you have for me today, Jesus? Or how can I live in a more intentional way for you? I would have a much more intimate and vibrant relationship with Jesus. And Lord willing, I can do that and we can all do that. We want our food to be doing the will of Jesus who sent us with a heart that we may finish his work that he's given us. Jesus has given us the work to do this day, this week, this month, this year, and we have a call of God on our lives. Our heart should be to finish that work first and then focus on the physical things. Most of us wake up each day and we're focused more on what we have to do in this physical world, and we have things to do. We have to work. We have children to take care of. We have responsibilities in this world, of course. But if we could focus on first our relationship with Jesus doing his will and finishing his work, our lives will take on a power and a meaning we never thought possible. Again, he says to them, I have food to eat you know nothing about. You're consistently focused on the things of this world and feeding your natural stomach where I'm consistently focused. Jesus is saying he's consistently focused on doing the will of the Father and finishing his work. And so Jesus is sustained by that. Now, obviously, his disciples don't know what he's speaking about. Could someone have brought him some food? Um, it's amusing, really. Jesus says in verse 35, Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So what do you suppose he means here? He just got through saying, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Verse 34. Now, verse 35, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So what he's speaking about here is he, you know, they apparently are walking around saying and they're fond of, they have this saying that says four months more and then the harvest. So the harvest will be ready and it's not time now. But the time is going to be a time in the future that's a time for a harvest. Um, or it is possible that, that it was just an excuse they were saying, right? We're not told that, but it's a possible uh, that they had responsibilities to do now, but they like saying, well, four months more and then the harvest. The point is that they were consistently putting off the harvest, and there would be good reason for it because, you know, you can't harvest corn if it hasn't come out of the ground, right? You can't harvest wheat or anything else until it comes out of the ground. So they have this saying, four months more and then the harvest. The principle here is in the kingdom of God, there's a spiritual harvest and it's always right now. You don't want to put off the harvest of souls, right? People need to come to know Jesus today. There is a harvest of souls and Jesus says they are ripe for harvest. Stop saying four more months until the harvest. Stop saying now is not the time. Jesus is giving an example of this right now in what he's done with this woman at the well. He has given his time to this woman. He hasn't been concerned with how it looks. And this woman leaves after being with Jesus 
and her soul is now evangelizing not one man who we told her to call, but the whole town. Because Jesus' concern was for her. His concern wasn't for himself or how it looked, or his concern wasn't for his lunch, his physical food. His concern was for her soul, was for harvesting her soul. The disciples, that wasn't their concern. As we saw, they were surprised that he was even speaking to her. They wouldn't even have spoken to her. They did not see this woman as an opportunity for a harvest spiritually. They weren't concerned about her soul. They were were more concerned that she was a woman, that she was alone, that she was a Samaritan, that she had a bad reputation. And frankly, they were more concerned that it was time for their lunch. And man, that really speaks to my life. That really speaks to how we often live our lives. Um, We get caught up in the things of this world so consistently. We get caught up in that things don't look good. We get caught up and worried about our reputation. We get caught up in thinking that uh, or worried that people are going to think poorly of us. Certainly, we get caught up in wanting to satisfy our physical desires and needs, um, whether it be food or TV or fun or Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. Instead of, we're consistently saying four months more. And Jesus said, stop saying four more months and then the harvest. We need to stop having all the reasons we have to to put off testifying to Jesus. We need to stop putting off speaking about Jesus and helping people to know Jesus. The disciples would not even have spoken to this woman. Because now is not the time for the harvest for them. For Jesus... He was sitting at a well, and even though he was tired and worn out, it had already been a long day, the woman still represented an opportunity for harvest. But for the disciples, it wasn't time for harvest. For the disciples, it's not time for the harvest because, well, she's a woman, so it's not time for the harvest. For the disciples, it wasn't time for the harvest, well, because she's a Samaritan woman, so it's it's not time for the harvest. For the disciples, it wasn't time for the harvest well because she's not only a woman and a Samaritan, but she's a woman with a bad reputation, and it won't look good if I talk to her, so now's not the time for the harvest. And you know what? Now's not the time of the harvest because now's the time for for my lunch. And really, this is how we think, right? We consistently have other priorities besides doing the will of Jesus who sent us and finishing his work, that needs to be our first priority. Right now, right today, this day, this moment, this week, this month, our heart needs to be the do the will, verse 34, of Jesus who sent us, and to finish his work. And we need to repent of consistently having this same heart as the disciples. I am so much like the disciples, and I'm consistently with this heart of four months more and then the harvest. Jesus says, now is the time of the harvest. And we really need to have that heart in our lives, that the Lord wants us to have a focus on harvesting souls for eternal life, beginning with salvation, but then in everything else. Salvation is just the beginning of the Christian life. We want to have a harvest of bringing fruit. A fruit tree just doesn't have one year, fruit trees and corn and uh, and wheat and vegetables, they come up every year. Oftentimes, our focus is only on, on uh, harvesting souls for salvation. Our focus needs to be on bearing fruit for the kingdom of God every day, every week, every month, every year, and helping others do the same. 
So let's stop saying four more months until the harvest and having every reason as to why now is not the time to focus on a spiritual harvest in our own lives and in the lives of others. Let's be like Jesus. Jesus just sat down and asked the lady for a drink. He never has his drink, by the way. But what he did have is he's changed a woman's life entirely. So much so that by the time this story ends, you're going to find that Jesus told her to go call one man and this lady is going to lead the entire town to Jesus. Think about that. This would not be a likely candidate in our church today to lead an entire town to Christ, would it? This is not someone we would pick because she hasn't lived a good life. She doesn't have a very good reputation. So she probably would have been overlooked very simply, but not by Jesus. So where are you today? Maybe you're like me and you're an example of one of these disciples. And uh, you're not as focused as you ought to be on really, you know, on, on a spiritual harvest, on bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, on helping people come to know Jesus, on advancing the kingdom of God. As I go through this story, I consistently see that I would have missed opportunities. In this situation with this woman, I, I, I very possibly would have been offended because of my own immaturity. I wouldn't have liked how she was speaking to me. I wouldn't have liked her disrespect. So I probably missed this opportunity. Maybe you're the woman today. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been used up by men over and over again. But Jesus cares. Jesus knows your situation just like he knew the situation of the woman. And his heart is that you would come to him. You would confess to him the areas of your life that I need to confess the areas of our life that are out of place. And once that comes out in the open... We find in the next coming moments, he uses this lady to lead the entire town to Jesus. And he wants to do the same with us today. Your past will not, cannot hold you back in Jesus Christ from being used by him to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. So whatever your past is today, you can have had five husbands and now you're with a man that's not your husband. You can repent today. You can confess to Jesus and you will immediately be in a position to be used by him. So I'll say that again. Whatever, whatever's out of place in our lives, it needs to come out. You remember in the last teaching, Jesus challenged her on the areas of her life that were out of place. For the most part, we know today what are the areas of our life that are out of place. We can repent. We can ask Jesus for forgiveness and immediately his heart will be to use us. Your past is not going to hold you back. After this encounter with Jesus, he immediately uses her to lead the entire town to Christ. And we're going to find that he stays two days with these Samaritans. A Jewish person would never even speak a word to these Samaritans. And because this woman goes to the town, brings the whole town back to Jesus, they urge him and he stays with them two more days we're going to find. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Lord Jesus, open our eyes that we would this day look at the fields. Wherever our field is today, Lord Jesus, help us to see the field 
that we might harvest the fruit that you have for us this day. Golly, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 36. Even now the reaper draws his wages, and he's just going to explain uh, in metaphorical language here what he's just been teaching. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. Um, Remember, eternal life is not just a quantity of life. Eternal life is a quality of life. We want to live in a quality of eternal life every moment and every day. But in order to do that, we're going to have to stop saying four months more into the harvest. We're going to have to stop thinking only about the natural and focus on the kingdom of God and the things of God and the word of God and the heart of God. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Verse 37, thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. That's verse 38. Jesus says to the disciples, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. And then he kind of, again, he, he, uh, he, wants to, he wants to make sure they're aware of their station. As we read the Gospels, Jesus is consistently explaining to people sometimes difficult things because he doesn't want them to be disillusioned, thinking they're more than they are. Um, Regrettably, we have a natural tendency to think that we have done more than we have. We have a tendency to, to look at what we do as being more important than it often is. We just often get puffed up about our own position. Look what Jesus says to him here. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. I oftentimes, you know, my wife and I will get in arguments because uh, I constantly want more credit for what it is that I do when she's often doing the hard work. In our lives, we ought to focus on the benefits we receive. Others have done the hard work. We all have people in our lives that 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 do some hard work that we benefit from, but we have a tendency to focus on the work that we do and how it benefits them. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Jesus obviously is speaking here about the men and women of the Old Testament. When he says, others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor, the men, the women, the prophets of the Old Testament um, laid the foundation for the coming of Jesus. And Jesus says, that was the hard work Basically, these people have done the hard work and they've teed it up for you. All you have to do now that Jesus is here, for those of us who live in the new covenant, for those of us who are Christians now, for those of us who have lived, who have received Jesus into our heart, I mean, we have everything. I mean, the opportunity to have Jesus in your heart, living in you, is something that we... We, we take so for granted, there's no words for it. If you're a Christian today and Jesus Christ is living in you, the power that lives in you, the opportunity that lives in you to, to harvest a crop for eternal life, to, 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 to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, just to walk in joy and power and meaning and substance, Remember, in the Old Testament, they didn't have Jesus living in them. They looked forward to the coming Messiah. Like this woman said in, I think, verse 26, I know that Messiah is coming. We have Jesus living in us. 
All the hard work's been done. All we now have to do is partner with Jesus who lives in us. And again, let us look at this lesson that we want to consistently have a perspective of the hard work that others do. In verse 38, Jesus says, others have done the hard work. Father, help us to to have a perspective of the hard work that others who have gone before us have done. And, uh, And frankly, Father, help us to see that see the hard work that others in our lives do do um, and that we reap the benefits of their labor. So thank you, Lord. So finishing up, verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. You'll never know the power that your testimony holds. My wife has been testifying consistently for the last three months that 2018 has been the greatest year of her life. She's testified to it because she has spent more time in in the word of God than in any other year. She happened to turn 40 and her testimony, she must have said, I don't know how many times, hundreds of times. And, And people have heard her say that the greatest year of her life was her 40th year because she never spent more time in reading and studying and obeying the word of God and repenting where she fell short. And that testimony, her testimony has driven other people to do it. Remember, Revelation 12, 11, they overcame by the blood of the lamb. It's always Jesus first, but then the word of their testimony. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. We have a testimony today. We certainly have our testimony of how we got saved and we came to know Jesus. But most of us have dozens of testimonies of how Jesus has moved in our lives and worked in our lives. Um, When we've repented, when we've been thankful, when we've obeyed him, we've seen Jesus move in our life. And we want to do what this woman has done. This woman has an encounter with Jesus. You can have an encounter with Jesus this day. You can come to him this day. You can share your heart with him. You can even be rude with him. This woman is rude to Jesus. She's contrary. She says to him, who do you think you are? Are you greater than our father Jacob? And Jesus will still listen to you. He'll still love you. And he will still use you. Now, he he very possibly will bring up some things that are out of line in your life. He tells this woman, you've had five husbands and the man you're with is not your husband. And you're going to want to repent when Jesus brings that up. But have an encounter with Jesus today and do what this woman has done. Tell somebody about it. He tells her to go call one man. She leads the whole town to Jesus. Golly, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Again, this is fruit to the woman's account. If the woman doesn't go to the town and tell the whole town that Jesus is here, the Messiah is here, and how he's changed her life and what he told her about her life, they don't go to him. And if they don't go to him, he doesn't stay two more days. All of this is done because the woman is willing to testify to what Jesus had done in her life. And Jesus wants to do the same with us today. Because of what this woman did, Jesus stays with these Samaritans two more days. He gives his time to them. He's willing to do that with you. He's willing to hang out with you for days at a time if you're willing. If you're willing to spend time with him, he'll give you his time. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's, let's have Jesus hang out with us a few more days. Verse 41, and because of his words, many more became believers. Because Jesus stayed with them two more days, many more people in that area became believers. Verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. You'll never know the power of you testifying to what Jesus has done in your life. Now these people have relationship with him themselves. And that ought to be the goal of our lives. The goal of our lives ought to be to know Jesus more deeply and intimately so that we can help others more know Jesus more deeply and more intimately so that they can say, now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. The goal of our lives as Christians today should be to help others to know for themselves who Jesus is, to have a deep and intimate relationship with Jesus themselves. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Our heart should be, we don't want others to just believe because of what we've said. We want others to have their own relationship with Jesus. Let us go out today and help others to have their own relationship with Jesus. Now, we're going to have to testify to our relationship with Jesus in order for that to happen. And I'll say again, not just your testimony of salvation. That's the beginning of Christianity. You need to be testifying to what Jesus is doing in your life consistently. And like this woman, you will be used. Don't worry about your past. If you have sin in your life, confess it. Jesus wants to bring the sin in your life to the forefront so that you can confess it to him. If you have a close or intimate brother and sister in Christ, if you have a pastor, if you have a priest and you want to and they're trustworthy and you want to go confess to them, that's fine too. But Jesus wants to wants you to come to him, wants you to to repent over the things in your life that are out of place and then immediately get to work testifying to his goodness. Immediately go to work bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. Let us go out today and open our eyes. Father, I ask you to open our eyes today that we might look at the fields for they are ripe for harvest. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for this incredible story, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this, uh, this story of the woman at the well. Lord Jesus, we ask you to help us to emulate you. As Paul said, Paul said to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Lord Jesus, help us to, to follow your example here. To follow your example of love. To follow your example of, of always looking for a harvest. Lord, help us to be like you that even when we're tired from the journey, that we're, our hearts will still be to help others and to care for others and to and to help others to know you, Lord. Lord, forgive us when we're more concerned about our reputation, we're more concerned about how things look than we are about people's souls. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you never explained yourself. Uh, you weren't concerned that the disciples were surprised to find you talking to a woman. Lord, we just, uh, we admire you, 
We love you. We thank you. Lord Jesus, help us to be like you. Help us to become men and women who can who can truly emulate you. How few of us, Lord, would have won this woman to Christ, a woman that went on to lead the entire town to Jesus. Lord, help us to emulate you that we too may win people to Christ that are contrary with us, that are disrespectful to us. Lord, help us to to disregard the racial tensions of our day and to love people in spite of them, Lord. Help us to have eyes that don't see gender or race, Lord. Help us to have eyes that are opened, open to, to the fields, Lord, that are ripe for harvest. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. We commit this time into your hands, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.